Chapter Three of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two by Havelock Ellis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two by Havelock Ellis. Chapter Three: Sexual Inversion in Men, Part Nine. History Twenty One almost the earliest recollection i have is of a dream from which my vivid collection of its details must have repeated itself i think more than once unless my waking thoughts unconsciously added definition from this dream dated my consciousness of the attraction to me of my own sex which has ever since dominated my life the dream suggested in part i think by a picture in an illustrated newspaper of a mob murdering a church dignitary took this form i dreamed that i saw my own father murdered by a gang of ruffians but i do not remember that i felt any grief though i was actually an exceedingly affectionate child the body was then stripped of its clothing and eviscerated i had at the time no notion of anatomical details but the particulars remained distinct to my mind's eye of entrails uniformly brown the color of dung and there was no accompaniment of blood when the abdomen had been emptied the incident in which i became an active participant occurred i was seized and the fact that i was overpowered contributed to the agony of delight it afforded me and was laid between the thighs of my murdered parent and from there i had presently crawled my way into the evacuated abdomen the act so far as i can decide of a dream at an age when emission was out of the question caused in me extreme organic excitement at all events i used afterward definitely to recur to it in the waking moments before sleep for the purpose of gaining a state of erection the dream had no outcome it seemed to reach its goal in the excitement it caused i was at that time between three and four years old I've been told that erections occurred when I was only two years old. It was between three and four that I used to induce, at all events, the sensation of an erection. But I was nearer five when, sitting on my bed and waiting to be dressed, I got an involuntary erection and called my nurse's attention to it, asking what it meant. The appearance must, therefore, have been usual to me at that date, but certainly the sensation was not at that time i was totally ignorant of the conditions of puberty which afterward when i discovered them so powerfully affected me i could not even visualize the private organs of a man i made no deductions from myself the only naked bodies i had seen then i judged from circumstances not from any actual memory of the facts were those of my sisters in the waking dreams which i began to construct though i recurred often to the one already narrated the goal of my desire was generally to nestle between the thighs or to have my face pressed against the hinder parts of the object of my worship but for a time my first dream so engrossed me that i did not indulge in any promiscuity gradually however my horizon enlarged and took in besides the first mentioned three others a cousin very much my elder an uncle and the curate of the parish at this stage i began to invent circumstances for the indulgence of my passion one of the earliest was to imagine myself in a tank with my three lovers floating in the water above me from this position i visited their limbs in turn 
the attraction rested in the thighs and buttocks only i fancy this limitation of the charm to the lower parts only lasted until actual experience of a more complete embrace made me as much a lover of the arms and breast indeed later i became more emotionally enamoured by these parts than all the rest at the beginning of things i simply loved best what my mind could first get hold of quite early in my experience when i was not more than five i awoke earlier than usual and saw my nurse standing in complete nudity commencing her toilet she seemed to me a gross coarse and meaningless object the hair under her armpits displeased me and still more that on the lower part of her body in the case of men directly i came to have cognizance of the same thing on their bodies the effect was exactly the opposite it so happened that about this time the gardener had received some injury to his leg and in showing the bruise to another exhibited before my eyes a skin completely shagged over with dark hair though the sight of the bruise repulsed me my pleasure was intense and the vision of the gardener's legs was in my bed every night for a week afterward my point is that the sight of my nurse was liable to rouse interest just as much as the far more prosaic display of the gardener's wounded leg but my nature made it impossible it was about this time if not before that an enormous sense of shyness with regard to all my private duties began to afflict me so great was it that i could endure from no hand except my mother's or my nurse's the necessary assistance in buttoning and unbuttoning of my garments always excepting those who were about my own age toward whom i felt no privacy whatever when i was a little more than fifteen i formed a friendship with a young clerk a youth of about fifteen though he seemed to me a grown-up person one day as he sat at his desk writing i sat down and began playing with his feet investigating the height to which his socks went under his trousers in this way i obtained six inches of bare leg conscious of my courage i fell to kissing it my friend laughed but left me to my devotions in peace this was the first time in which a feeling of romance mixed itself in my dreams the physical excitement was less but the pleasure was greater i cannot understand why i never repeated the experience he remained to me an object of very special and tender consideration in the next episode i have to relate the ideal was totally absent the part i played was passive rather than active i was put to sleep with a boy considerably my senior his initiation led to a physical familiarity between us which was not warm or kind and i was allowed no scope for my own instinctive desires for a warmer kind of contact if i sought it under cover of my companion's slumbers i found myself kicked away only on one occasion did i find a few moments of supreme charm while his sleep remained sound by discovering in these recesses of the sheet an exposed surface of flesh against which i pressed my face in an abandonment of joy for the rest i was a passive participant his pleasure seeming to end in the mere handling of the fleshy portions of my body for this purpose i usually lay face down across his knees so far as i can remember this intimacy led to a decrease in my pursuit of imaginative pleasures for about a year no further development took place at about this date i was circumcised on account of the prepuce being too long between the sixth and seventh years a change of environment brought me into contact with a new set of faces i had then a bed to myself and once more my imagination awoke to life 
it was at this time that i found myself constructing from men's faces suppositions as to the rest of their bodies a brown face led me to suppose a uniformly brown body a pale face a pale body this idea of variety began to charm me i now made definite choice in my reveries whether i would go to sleep between white thighs or red thighs or brown thighs going to sleep definitely describes the goal of the method to which i had addicted myself as soon as i entered my bed i abandoned myself to the construction of an amour and retained it as long as i had consciousness i may say that i was not conscious of any omissions under these circumstances until some years later when i brought it about by my own act but the pleasure was fairly acute all this time there were secret meetings with my bedfellows of the year before but now they took place by day in various hiding places with little unclothing or exposure and my companion was cold and fastidious and repelled any warmth on my part it became to me a dry sort of ritual i had an idea at the time that the whole thing was so much an original invention of his and mine that there was no likelihood of it being practiced by anyone else in the world but this consideration did not restrain me in constructing love scenes with all those whose appearance attracted me at this period nearly every man with whom i came in contact won at least my transient desire only the quite old and deformed lay outside the scope of my wishes many of my amours developed in church the men who sat near me were the objects of my attention and the clergyman whose sermon i did not listen to supplied me with an occasion for reverie on the charms of his person would have for me under other circumstances it must have been at this time that i began to elaborate ideas of serried rank of congregated thighs across which i lay and was dragged i would arrange them in definite order and then imagine myself drawn across from one to the other somewhat forcibly admiration of strength was beginning at this time to have a definite part in my conceptions but anything of the nature of cruelty had not then appealed to me i accept the original dream of my childhood which seems to me still to stand fantastically apart in the inventions to which i now gave myself the sense of being passed across limbs of different texture and color was subtle and pleasurable i think the note of constructive cruelty which now followed arose from an imagined rivalry among my lovers for possession of me the idea that i was desired made me soon take a delight in imagining myself torn and snatched about by the contending parties presently out of this i began constructing definite scenes of violence i was able in imagination to lie in the thick and stress of conglomerated deliciousness of thighs struggling to hold me i was able to imagine at least six bodies encircling me with passionate contact at the same time i had an ingrained feeling of my own physical smallness in relation to the limbs whose contact threw me into such paroxysms of delight a new and sufficiently ludicrous invention took possession of me i imagined myself strapped to the thighs always i think the right one of the man on whom i chose for the time to concentrate my desires and so to be worn by him during his day's work hidden beneath his garments i was not conscious of any difficulty due to my size the charm of bondage and compulsion was here again in the ascendant i fancy that it was in this connection that i first anticipated whipping as the delightful climax to my emotions administered when my possessor at the end of his day's work unclothed himself for rest 
up to this stage my attraction to the male organ of generation had been slight and vague two things now contributed to bring thought of it into prominence on two or three occasions when i accompanied farm laborers to their occupations i saw them pause by the way to relieve nature my extreme shyness as regards to such matters in my own person made this performance in my presence like an outrage on my modesty it had about it the suggestion of an indecent solicitation to one whose inclination was to headlong and delirious surrender i stood rooted and flushing with downcast eyes till the act was over and was conscious for a considerable time of stammering speech and bewildered faculties when i afterward reviewed the circumstances they had the same attraction for me that amorous cruelty was just then beginning to exercise on my imagination my mind secretly embraced the fearful sweetness of the newly discovered sensation surrounding the performance of the function with all sorts of atrocious and bizarre inventions for a time my intellect hung back from accepting this as the central and most fiery secret of the male attraction but shortly afterward when walking out with my father i saw him perform the same act i was overwhelmed with emotion and could barely drag my feet from the spot or my eyes from the damp herbage where he had deposited the waters of secrecy even today when my mind has been long accustomed to the knowledge of generative facts i cannot disassociate myself from the shuddering charm that moment had for me the attraction of my father's person had always had for me was now increased tenfold by the performance i had witnessed though i had not seen the penis in any of these cases for a considerable time only those lovers were dominant in my imagination whom i had witnessed in the act had so poignantly affected me my delight now took the form of imagining myself strapped to the thighs of the person while this function was in progress by this time i must have been eight years old the cold and secret relationship of which i have given an account had continued without instructing me in any of the ardent possibilities it might have suggested no force or cruelty was used upon me no warmth was lavished it made little difference that my companion had now discovered the act of masturbation it had no meaning to me since it led to no warmth of embrace his method was to avert himself from me i had to fawn upon him from the rear and also to invent indecent stories to stimulate his imagination i felt myself a despised instrument the mere spectator of an act which if directed toward me with any warmth would have aroused the liveliest appetite at this time as i have since seen my companion was gaining knowledge from the ancient classics for a time some charm was imparted by his instructing me to adopt a superincumbent face-to-face -face embrace the beginning of his puberty was enormously attractive to me had he been less cold-blooded i could have responded passionately to his endearments but he always insisted on rigorous passivity on my part and he explained nothing one day by a small gratuity he induced me to offer him my mouth though i still had no comprehension of the result i was helping to attain once the orgasm occurred and the effect was extremely nauseous after that he was more careful my companion was approaching manhood and his demands became more frequent his exactions more humiliating at the same time my passion for male love was growing stronger i was able to construct from the unsatisfactory bondage in which i was held images of bodily embrace which i had not before had sufficient sense of human contact to form 
though I seldom imagined any of the acts that in actual experience repulsed me. One day, however, I shirked a particularly repulsive humiliation which my companion had forced upon me. He discovered the deception, rose from the prone position in which he lay, and throwing me across his knees, thrashed me violently. I submitted without a struggle, experiencing a serious sensation of pleasure in the midst of my pain. When he repeated his order I found its accomplishment no longer repulsive. One of the few pleasurable memories this intimacy, extending over years, has left for me is that moment of abject abasement to one who, with no warmth of feeling, had yet once had sufficient energy to be brutal to me. It must have been from this incident that the calculated effect of flagellation began to have weight with me when I indulged my imagination. A wish to be repulsed, trampled, violated by the object of my passion, took hold of my instincts. Even then, and indeed up to my thirteenth year, I had no idea of normal sexual connection. I knew vaguely that children were born from women's bodies. I did not know and when told i did not believe the true facts of the marital relationship all that i had experienced both in fact and imagination was to me so highly individual that i had no notion any kind kindred to it could exist outside of my own experience i had no notion of sex as the basis of life even when i came gradually to realize that men and women were formed in a way that argued connection with each other I still believed it to be a dissolute sort of conduct, not to be indulged in by those who had claims to respectability. I had, however, by this time arrived at a strong attraction toward the organs of generation and all aspects of puberty, and my imagination spent itself in a fantastic worship of every sign of masculinity. My enjoyment now was to imagine myself forced to undergo physical humiliation and submission to the caprice of my male captors, and the central fact became the discharge of urine from my lover over my body and limbs, or, if I were very fond of him, I let it be in my face. This was followed usually by a half-caressing castigation, in which the hand was only instrumental. The period of which I am now writing was that of my own entry into school life my imaginary lovers immediately became numerous all the masters and all the boys above a certain age attracted me for too i had in addition a feeling of romantic as well as physical attachment indeed from this time onward i was never without some heroes toward whom i indulged a perfectly separate and tenderly ideal passion the announcement that one was about to leave surprised me into a passionate fit of weeping Yet my reserve was so great and my sense of isolation so crushing that I made no effort at intimacy, and to one for whom I felt inexhaustible devotion I barely spoke for the first three years, though meeting him daily. At this time the subjects of my contemplation had distinctly individualized methods of approach. Thus in one case I imagined we stood face to face in our night gear. Suddenly mine was stripped from me. I was seized and forcibly thrust under his and made to hang with my feet off the ground by my full weight on the erect organ which inserted itself between my thighs. So suspended, my body enveloped in the folds of his linen and my face pressed upon his heart, I underwent a castigation which continued until I was thrown down to receive a charge of urine over my prostate body. Such images seemed to come independently of my will it was at this time that i found a large pleasure in imagining contact with people whom i disliked 
the prevailing note of these intimacies was always cruelty to which i submitted with acute relish i discovered however from the ordinary school experiences of corporal punishment that it had no charm to me when administered for school offences even from the hands under which at other times i imagined myself as delighting to receive pain the necessary link was lacking i had perceived on the part of my judge any liking for the operation there would probably have been a response on my side on one occasion i was flogged unjustly conscious as i was of its cruel instead of judiciary character this was the only castigation i received which had in it an element of gratification for my instincts at the same time i never forgave the hand that administered it it is the only instance i remember in myself of a grudge nourished for years meanwhile amid this chaos of confused love and hatred the relish for cruelty and loathing for injustice my first thoroughly romantic and ideal attachment was developing itself i may say of those to whom romance as well as physical attachment bound me that they have remained unchangeable parts of my nature Today, as it was twenty years ago when i think of them the blood gushes to my brain my hands tingle and moisten with emotion i cannot subdue i am at their feet worshipping them of them my dreams were entirely tender the idea of cruelty never touched the conception i had of them but i returned to that one who was the chief influence of my youth older than myself by only three years he was of fine build and athletic with adolescence showing in his face my tremulous beginnings of worship were confirmed by a word of encouragement thrown to me one day as i went to receive my first flogging no doubt my small scared face excited his kind pity i made it my concern afterward to let him know that i had not cried under the ordeal and i believe he passed the word around that i had taken my punishment pluckily so little contact had i with him that beyond constant worship on my part i remember nothing till about three years later i received from him a kind half-joking solicitation spoken in lean and simple language so terrific was my shyness and secrecy that i had even then no idea that familiarity of this sort was common enough in schools i was absolutely unable to connect my own sensation with those of the world at large or to believe that others felt as i did on this occasion i simply felt that some shrewd thrust had been made at me for the detection of my secret he had drawn me upon his knee i sat there silent flushing and dumbfounded he made no attempt to press me he had as he thought said enough if i chose to be reciprocal beyond that he would not tempt me a few years ago i heard of him married and prosperous in following up my emotions in this direction i have far outstripped the period up to which i have given a complete exposition of my development i must have been more than twelve years old before school life persuaded me to face as taught by sniggering novices the actual facts of sexual intercourse at the same time i learned that i had means of extracting enjoyment from my own body in a definite direction which i had not till then suspected a growing resistance on my part to his cold desires had led to a break with my former intimate to the last he had taught me nothing except distaste for himself i now found ready teachers right and left of me one of my schoolfellows invited me to watch him in the process of masturbation the spectacle left me quite unmoved the result appeared to me far less exciting than the discharge of urine which until then i had associated with male virility 
I was so accustomed to my own lone amorous broodings that the effort and the action required for this process, when I attempted to imitate it, disconcerted my thoughts and interfered with concentration on my own inventions. I had never experienced the pleasure accompanying the spasm of emission, and there seemed to be nothing worth trying for along that road. I desisted and returned to my reveries. I was now in a perfect maze of promiscuity. There must have been at least fifty people who attracted me at that time. I developed a liking for imagining myself between two lovers, generally men who were physical contrasts. It was my habit to analyze as minutely as possible those who attracted me. To gain intimacy with what was below the surface, I studied with attention their hands, the wrists where they disappeared, showing the hair of the forearm, and the neck. I estimated the comparative size of the generative organs, the formation of the thighs and buttocks, and thus constructed a presentment of the whole man. The more vividly I could do this, the keener was the pleasure I was able to obtain from their contemplated embraces. Till now I had been absolutely untouched by any moral scruples. I had the usual acquiescence in the religious beliefs in which I had been trained. It did not enter my head that there was any divine law, one way or the other, concerning the allurements of the imagination. From my thirteenth year, slight hints of uneasiness began to creep into my conscience. I began, perhaps, to understand that the formulas of religion, to which I had listened all my life, with as little attention as possible, had some meaning which now and then touched the circumstances of my own life. I had not yet realized that my past foretold my future, and that women would be to me a repulsion instead of an attraction where things sexual were concerned. I had the full conviction that one day I should be married. I had also some fear that as I grew to manhood I might succumb to the temptations of loose women. I had an incipient revulsion from such a fate, and this seemed to me to indicate that moral stirrings were at work within me. One night I was amorously attacked in my bedroom by two of the domestics. I experienced an acute horror which I hid under laughter. My resistance was so desperate that I escaped with a tickling. I had been accustomed to sit on the servant's knees, a habit I had innocently retained from childhood. I can now recall in detail the approaches these women had been used to make me. At the time I was utterly oblivious that anything was intended. I was equally oblivious to things that had a nearer relation to my own feelings. In passing along a side street one night, I was overtaken by a man who began conversation on the weather. He asked me if I were not cold, and began passing his hand up and down my back. Then came a question about caning at school, whether certain parts of me were not sore, leading to an investigating touch. I put his hand aside shyly, but did not resent the action. Presently he was for exploring my trousers' pockets, and I began to think him a pickpocket. Repulsed in that direction, he returned to rubbing my back. The sensation was pleasant. I now took him for a pimp who wished to take me to a prostitute, and as at that time I had begun to realize that such pleasures were not to my taste, I was glad to find myself at my destination and said good-bye sharply leaving him standing full of astonishment at his failure with one who had taken his advances so pleasantly. I could not bring myself to believe that others had the same feelings as myself. Later I realized my escape, not without certain amount of regret, 
and constructed for my own pleasure a different termination to the incident i was now so possessed by masculine attraction that i became a lover of all the heroes i read of in books some became so vivid to me as those with whom i was living in daily contact for a time i became an ardent lover of napoleon the incident of his anticipation of the nuptials with his second wife attracting it by its impetuous brutality of edward i and of julius caesar charles the second i remember by a caressing cruelty with which my imagination gifted him jugurtha was a great acquisition bothwell judge jeffreys and many villains of history and fiction appealed to me by their cruelty i had become an adept in the mental construction necessary for the satisfaction of my desires and yet up to that date i had never seen the nude body of a full-grown adult i had no knowledge of the extent to which hair in certain instances develops on the torso indeed my efforts at characterization centered for the most part around the thighs and generative organs at this time one of my schoolfellows saw a common workman known to me by name bathing in a stream with some companions all his body was my informant told me covered with hair from throat to belly in face the man was coarse and repulsive but i now began to regard him as a lovely monstrosity and for many nights embraced the vision of him passionately with face buried in the jungle growth of hair that covered his chest i was for the first time conscious of deliberately and successfully willing not to see his face which was distasteful to me at the same time another schoolfellow told me concerning a master who bathed with the boys that hair showed above his bathing drawers as high as the navel i now began definitely to construct bodies in detail the suggestion of extensive hairiness maddened me with delight but remained in my mind strongly associated with cruelty my hairy lovers never behaved to me with tenderness everything at this period i think tended to draw me toward force and violence as an expression of amativeness a schoolfellow a few years my senior of a cruel bullying disposition took a particular delight in inflicting pain on me he had particularly pointed shoes and it was his custom to make me stand with my back to him while he addressed me in petting and caressing tones just when his words were at their kindness he would inflict a sharp stroke with the toe of his boot so as to reach the most tender part of my fundament the pain was exquisite i was conscious that he experienced sexual pleasure i had seen definite signs of it beneath his clothing and though loathing him i would after had suffered from his kicks throw myself into his imaginary embraces and indulge in a perfect rage of abject submission yet all the time i would gladly have killed him at the age of fourteen i went for a time to a farmhouse where i was allowed to mingle familiarly with the farm labors a fine set of muscular young men i became a great favorite and having childish caressing manners a good deal behind my real age i was allowed to take many liberties with them they all lived under the farmer's roof in the old-fashioned way and in the evening i used to sit on their knees and caress and hug them to my heart's content they took it phlegmatically it apparently gave them no surprise one of the men used to return my squeezes and caresses and once allowed me to put my hand under his shirt but there were no further liberties it was not until i was nearly fifteen that the event happened which made me for the first time restless in my forced solitude 
I was verging on puberty, and perhaps in the hope that I should find my own development met by a corresponding warmth, I again came into intimate relations with the companion whose frigid performances had caused me weariness and disgust. He was now a man, having reached majority. He put me into his bed while he undressed himself and came toward me in perfect nudity. In a moment we were in each other's arms, and the deliciousness of that moment intoxicated me. Suddenly, lying on the bed, I felt attacked, as I thought, by an imperative need to make water. I leaped up with a hurried excuse, but already the paroxysm had subsided. No discharge came to my relief, yet the need seemed to have passed. I returned to my companion, but the glamour of the meeting was already over. My companion evidently found more pleasure in my person than when I was a mere child. I felt moved and flattered by the pleasure he took in pressing his face against certain parts of my body. On a second occasion, one day I seemed involuntarily about to transgress decency, but again, as before, separated myself and remained ignorant of what it was on which I had verged my excitement. At another meeting, however, I had been allowed to prolong my embrace and to act, indeed, upon my full instincts. Once more I felt suddenly the coming of something acutely impending. I took my courage in my hands and went boldly forward. In another moment I had hold of the mysterious secret of masculine energy, to which all my years of delirious imaginings had been but as a waiting at the threshold, the knocking on a closed door. It was inevitable that from that day our intimacy should dwindle into dissolution, though other causes anticipated this natural decay. But I no longer found masturbation a dry and wearisome formula. In my novitiate I was disheartened to find how long it took me to dissociate myself from the contemplative and attach myself to the active form of self-gratification. But I presently found myself committed to the repetition of the act three times a day. On almost the last occasion I met my intimate, he showed me an exceptional ardor. At that meeting he proposed to attempt an act I had not previously considered possible, far less had I heard that it was considered the worst criminal connection that could take place. I had a slight fear of pain, but was willing to gratify him, and for the first time found in my submission a union of the two amative instincts which had before disputed sway in me the instinct for tenderness and the instinct for cruelty. Pedicatio failed to take place, but I received an embrace for which the first time gave me full satisfaction. My delight was enormous. I was filled with emotions. I have no words to describe the extraordinary charm of the warm, smooth flesh upon mine and the rougher contact of the hairy parts. Yet I was conscious, even at the time, that this was but the physical side of pleasure, and that he was not and never could be one whom I might truly be said to love. I was now in my sixteenth year, and under the influence of these and many other emotions then, for the first time beginning to seize me, a sense of literary power and a desire to express myself through imaginative channels began to take hold of me. I feared that my indulgence was having an enfeebling power on my faculties. I had begun to experience physical languor and depression and certain religious scruples, the result of my early training took hold of me. For the first time I became conscious of the ardors I felt toward my own sex were a diversion of the sex instinct itself, 
and to my astonishment and consternation i found by chance the practices i had already indulged in definitely denounced in the bible as an abomination from that moment began a struggle which lasted for years i made a final breach with my former intimate and thereupon a long dispute took place between the conflicting influences that strove for possession of my body for a time i broke off the habit of masturbation but i could not so easily rid myself of the mental indulgence which was now almost an essential sedative for inducing sleep at this time a visit to the seaside where for the first time i was able to see men bathing in complete nudity frankly in the full light of day plunged me again for a time head foremost into imaginative amours and my scruples and resolutions were flung to the winds but on the whole i had now entered a stage which for want of a better term i must describe as the emotionally moral to whatever depth of indulgence i descended i carried a sense of obliquity with me i believed that i was a rebel from a law natural and divine of which yet no instinct had been implanted in me i still held unquestioned the truth of the religion i had been brought up in and my whole life every thought of my brain every impulse of my body were in direct antagonism to the will of god at times physical desire broke down these barriers but i practised considerable restraint physically though not mentally and made great efforts to conquer my aversion from women and extreme devotion for men without the slightest success i was thirty however before i found a companion to love me in the way my nature required i am quite a healthy person and capable of working at very high pressure under sexual freedom i have become stronger end of chapter three part nine recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceovers by kirk dot com